But I'm delighted now to welcome James Manford to this program. He's an award-winning investigative reporter uh, and uh, wrote a story uh, about this heart-stopping revelation that we came perilously close to World War III just months ago, back in September. Uh, Maxwell Smart used to say, missed it by that much. We came that close uh, to being uh, in World War III, as it were, just a few months ago. A story that he has unearthed thanks to this trove of top-secret documents in this Pentagon leak. Uh, so we'll talk in a moment here about how shadow war over Ukraine nearly triggered a nuclear holocaust. And I, I, once again, I'm delighted to have as our guest for the next 30 minutes, James Banford. James, how are you, sir? Great. Thanks for having me on your show, Tavis. Man, it's my great delight to have you. Thanks for your story. Uh, I want to make the most of these uh, less than 30 minutes that we have here. Uh, so, again, I don't want to color this first question too much. Let me start with this. Tell me about the leak of these papers, and then we'll go straight way into what you found in these papers. <clears throat> well, the, the leak came from a airman, a U.S. Air Force airman, who placed uh, documents on a, a web page. He was part of a chat group. And he wanted to educate some of his fellow chat members, so he put the documents uh, beginning last year on the um, chat group. And uh, nobody knew about it. The Pentagon didn't find out about it uh, until just recently, and then it was discovered that uh, he put uh, hundreds of pages of classified documents on this uh, chat group. So uh, they're out there. They're out there uh, on the Internet, and... Uh, some of them are, are extremely revealing about what the U.S. government has been doing. Yep. Do we know why he chose to do that? I mean, there are always these whistleblowers, and they all have their own rationales for doing what they do. Do we know why he released these papers? Well, the, uh, he hasn't uh, said himself, but uh, according to some of the people who were on that chat group, uh, the reason was uh, he was sort of the leader of this chat group, and he would talk about international issues, and in order to back up what he was saying and to uh, elicitate on the uh, details that he was uh, giving his his chat members, uh, he began typing out some of the details he was learning uh, in the Air Force. And then he, he eventually began putting the whole documents on there. So it was basically uh, a show and tell. He, was, uh, he had this group of people that were following him, and he wanted to show them in, uh, you know, real, uh, real form, what the documents were actually saying. Yep. Um, before I get to the story again more directly, um, what's your view? Uh, I'm asking your own personal opinion now, James, as an investigative reporter. What's your view on whether or not what he uh, revealed uh, is of value, uh, any value to the American people? Well, it's extremely valuable because uh, the U.S. has always been very uh, uh, secretive and uh, uh, reluctant to actually tell what goes on during a war. During the war in Vietnam, there were so many secrets that were held that the public should have known about. It could have ended the war earlier, and the mm. uh, same with the war in, uh, in Iraq. There were so many secrets. Uh, how the U.S. Uh, got into the war, for example, I wrote an entire book on that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, there's all these secrets that the government has that the public should know about how we get into a war, and some of those are coming out through these documents. Yeah. Um, finally, before I go again right into the story, um, do, do, do you think that 
the government ever learned anything, um, ever rethinks its positions on not sharing more with uh, fellow citizens, with Americans, with the public. Uh, when these whistleblowers put stuff out that clearly underscores that they're keeping stuff away from us. What I'm getting at is whether or not you think that the government just becomes more entrenched in their belief that we ain't going to tell the American people anything, or is there any evidence that suggests that they rethink their position on being so secretive about all this stuff? Well, they say they do, but it doesn't. there's no evidence that they do, and it right. doesn't matter whether it's Democratic or Republican. They're both... Uh, uh, do the same thing. They both hide the this key information. Uh, so, you, so it's lucky that the U.S. has whistleblowers every now and then. Mm-hmm. I was the, the first one to interview Edward Snowden in Moscow uh, after he took uh, his documents from the NSA, and nobody knew uh, that the NSA was illegally eavesdropping on Americans until he released those documents. So, um, so, no, it's leakers that uh, sort of reveal what the government's really doing rather than the government itself. Yep. Edward Snowden, one of the most famous uh, leakers, one of the most famous uh, whistleblowers in the history of this nation. For those who know the name and haven't had an update lately, where is Edward Snowden? What's going on with him right about now? Well, he's been living in uh, uh, Moscow ever since uh, he left the U.S. pretty much. Uh, I mean, what happened was he... he uh, spent a number of months downloading uh, secret documents and information from uh, his computers where he worked at NSA in, in Hawaii. And then he took off for, for Hawaii. I, I'm sorry, he took off for Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And that's where he revealed a lot of the information. Uh, from Hong Kong, he was going to fly to, I think it was Bolivia in South America, and uh, uh, to keep away from the U.S., but the uh, U.S. government canceled his passport, so when he went to change planes in Moscow, uh, he couldn't do that because his passport was invalid. So he was stuck in Moscow, and uh, that's where he's been ever since. He didn't go to Moscow deliberately to stay there. He went there to change planes, but now uh, because of they because they canceled his passport, he's been there ever since, and the Russians have now given him citizenship. So he's Living in Russian, uh, in Russia as a uh, U.S. as a Russian citizen now. So now that he's a citizen, I was just about to ask that question. Now that he's a citizen, does that mean that the U.S. will never get their hands on him? Oh no, no. I mean, if he puts one uh, foot outside the country uh, in any country that the U.S. has a extradition treaty with, which is most of them, um, uh, he'll be uh, subject to a what's known as a red notice, an Interpol red notice, and that country would arrest him, hold him, and then uh, deport him to the United States. So he's pretty much landlocked inside Russia for uh, as long as anybody could think of. Now, these whistleblowers play a, play a huge price uh, when they decide to come forward. And I think, I've said many times before, it's been a long time since I've even heard the name Edward Snowden, hadn't come up in a while, but I said uh, uh, years ago when this first broke um, that uh, once I understood it better, I think that history ultimately is going to regard Edward Snowden as a hero. That's my view, that history will ultimately regard uh, what he what he did as heroic uh, because he unveiled, again, all the ways that which all the ways in which we were being spied upon that we were just unaware of. And so I know that um, these are difficult days for him. Uh, and only he can decide and tell you whether or not it was worth it. But I think the history is going to look more fondly on Edward Snowden down the road than he perhaps is being regarded in this moment. Would you agree, James, or disagree? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I agree uh, 100%. And in addition, it wasn't just – he didn't just 
throw a lot of documents on the Internet. Um, he uh, arranged the documents to be passed to two journalists, Glenn, uh, Glenn Greenwald mm-hmm. and Laura Poitras, uh, with the with the request uh, uh, that they go through the documents before they're released to the public or to the press, and uh, only release documents that uh, have to do with uh, illegal activities by the U.S. Basically, eavesdropping on U.S. citizens and U.S. allies. So there were never documents released by Snowden that. Uh, related to Russia, China, mm-hmm. North Korea or any of these uh, any of those countries. So he did it in a very careful way. He didn't uh, just take all these documents and yeah. put them on the internet. And uh, yeah, and Laura did a great documentary about that. It's a fine docu- documentary. I remember talking to Laura when it came out uh about uh, what Edward Snowden did and uh, and how again she believes and I believe and James Banford believes he'll be regarded down the road. So there you have a bit of whistleblower history in, in this country. Uh, again, Edward Snowden being one of the more famous uh, names. But when we come forward now the story uh, directly and expressly uh about how close we came um to nuclear war, World War 3 just months ago that our government never told us about. But James Banford will tell you about it when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Investigative reporter James Banford, he has a, a new book um, that uh, is out this year. It's called Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. We'll get to that perhaps before we uh, lose him. Uh, but James, now straightway to the story of how close we came to World War III just months ago. Take it away, sir. Well, according to the documents that were released uh, by uh, the whistleblower, or the um, uh, person that was in the chat group, the, uh, just to give you a little background, and when the war broke out with, uh, uh, between Ukraine and, and Russia, uh, the U.S. spent a lot of time doing intelligence collection. One of the ways it collects intelligence is by sending uh, these large aircraft, they're the size of Boeing 707, uh, called an uh, RC-135, um, over the Black Sea to eavesdrop on um, Russia, basically to eavesdrop on their communications, their phone calls, all their electronics, um, and uh, and then make a large record of what what's going on in um, in in Russia and in uh, Russian-controlled Crimea. Mm-hmm. So that plane uh, goes regularly across the Black Sea. The Russians don't like that, obviously, because the uh, uh, U.S. is collecting intelligence on, on them. So they send up fighters all the time to follow the spy plane and to harass it occasionally. But on this one uh, occasion, which was uh, last uh, uh, September, September 29th, um, they did, the Russians did more than that. Uh, at one point, the Russians fired a missile at the um, at the uh, U.S. spy plane. And according to the documents, it was a, quote, near shootdown. Uh, what happened was that the um, uh, pilot of the fighter got a miscommunication. In other words, he misunderstood uh, command from his uh, uh, headquarters back in Crimea. Um, and he thought that the commander said to fire the missile at the uh, U.S. spy plane. He said the opposite, not to fire a missile. So the missile was fired, and and luckily there was a, another glitch. That second glitch uh, uh, made the missile misfire. So it came very close. Uh, it came just 
basically within a breath of uh, not shooting down the RC-135 with over 30 um, uh, British uh, uh, signals intelligence people on board. Mm. And the problem is, according to the UN, uh, or rather the the NATO treaty, uh, any act against one member is an act against all members. So if the Russians had shot down the RC-135 with all the uh, personnel on board, over 30 people, uh, that would have been an act of war, and uh, you're, you, at that point, you've got a uh, potential nuclear war between two nuclear powers, uh, the U.S. and Russia. So um, it only takes a, a, a an accident like that mm-hmm. to cause a, a major war. And again, the public uh, had no knowledge about that until the uh, leak of these documents. Yep. Um, let me stay at the point you've made just now, uh, James, which is that that um, it would have uh, started World War III because, again, uh, an act against one member of NATO is an act against every member of NATO. And had they shot down that plane with 30 British personnel on it, uh, then everybody would have been on Russia's behind, uh, including the United States. And so now you're all in, and Russia, uh, under Vladimir Putin's leadership, uh, would not have gone gently into that good night. And so you can hear and see from James's reporting how this could very well have led to a nuclear holocaust uh, because, again, one member of NATO would have been attacked and everybody would have gotten involved uh, by uh, order of or under the auspices of the treaties, uh, the the agreement uh, that all NATO members rather have, have signed. Um, the point I want to put a finger, uh, 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 put a finer point on uh, is that it was an accident. And it is it, it's scary to think we came that close to uh, an all out uh, war. Uh, but it's even scarier to consider that it would have all be uh, would have all started, James, because of an accident. I mean, that's 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 eerie for me. Right, and that's what happens when you have uh, two nuclear powers that are exactly uh, uh, launched in a in a proxy war. There are so many accidents that can happen, and uh, accidents uh, that can lead to a nuclear war. Mm. Um, what's the value? Um, you think in American citizens knowing about this and now citizens of the UK, since it was a British plane, uh, their citizenry, citizenry knowing about it, what's the value of us being aware of this? Well, I think the key takeaway uh, from, from this, as I mentioned in the article, is that uh, it means that we should be spending far more time trying to resolve the conflict uh, between uh, Ukraine and Russia, mm-hmm. sending diplomats over there instead of uh, RC-135s um, to to end this. I mean, it's not going to end with everybody getting everything they want. Every time you end a war, there's going to be uh, uh, people giving up uh, one thing uh, in order to get something else. So uh, that takes a lot of negotiation. The problem is, if you don't do that, you end up with Vietnam, where we went on for 10 years, uh, mm-hmm. uh, killing millions of people or, uh, and then uh, or Iraq or whatever so uh, which went on for a very long time killing a lot of people and the whole idea here is to try to resolve this before you have a calamity at the end uh, and what these documents showed is how close uh, these two countries can come to to having that uh, nuclear holocaust I mean uh, there's been talk numerous times during this uh, proxy war between the United States and Russia 
over who has more nuclear weapons and who is tougher than the other one in terms of uh, nuclear power so uh, or nuclear weapons. So yeah. um, the fact that there's been this tough talk and there's uh, uh, an ongoing proxy war, all you need is a spark. And this is what uh, this yeah. was, was a spark that could have uh, launched a much bigger war. You know, I'm glad those two glitches, uh, we all uh, should be grateful, even though we didn't know anything about it. <laughs> now that we know about it, we should be grateful that those two glitches occurred and that that, uh, that rocket did not hit that plane because, uh, to your point, all hell would have broken loose had that happened. Let me ask you a couple more things right quick in the time I have left with you. Um, number one, um, since you mentioned uh, the war, what's your what's your take, um, James? What, what's your viewpoint on, on how long this thing has lasted? I did not expect uh, when Russia invaded Ukraine, that this would be as on would be ongoing as long as it has been. How, how, how do you read that it's still going on? Well, that's one of the other things that came out from these uh, leaked documents is that uh, the U.S. keeps uh, uh, the U.S. government largely and to a large degree the media keeps uh, uh, insisting that the war is going to end fairly quickly, that the Ukrainians are going to be victorious and so forth. But the uh, the documents are far more pessimistic, and they say that the war is going to go on much longer, mm. at least another year or so, possibly, and uh, that the, the Ukrainians are, are, are not on, a, on the winning end of the war so far. So, again, it's a... Uh, a difference between what the government is putting, what the U.S. government is putting out to the public, and what uh, the the documents reveal. So, um, you know, both sides are dug in, and the only thing that will uh, end this, uh, uh, short of uh, uh, many more people being killed, is a uh, sort of a negotiated settlement, and that yeah. begins with people sitting down and having a ceasefire. It does indeed. Uh, they need a negotiated peace. We all need it in that region of the world. Uh, in the few minutes I have left, let me turn directly to your book, your new book. It's called Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. I want to tee up one specific thing in this book um, that I, I'm aware of now and other readers are as well. Uh, the Trump campaign's collusion with Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Trump's campaign uh, campaign's illusion with Israel. In the three minutes we have, uh, give me give me the top story on that. We can read more about it in your book, though, James. Right. Well, the uh, there was enormous publicity given to RussiaGate, uh, the investigation of uh, of whether the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. Turns out that there wasn't any collusion with Russia after a two year investigation by the Mueller report. But what I discovered from uh, FBI documents uh, released under the Freedom of Information Act is that uh, Russia didn't collude with uh, with the Trump campaign, but the Israeli government did. The Israeli mm. government sent a secret agent over to uh, the Trump campaign to offer secret intelligence to help them uh, as a quid pro quo for uh, uh, Donald Trump, uh, if he became president, to recognize Jerusalem is the sole capital of, of Israel and moved the U.S. embassy there, which is what he did. So uh, the collusion wasn't with Russia. The collusion was, was, was with Israel, and the U.S. has not done anything about it. And the U.S. hasn't uh, released the documents uh, except for this one that I got under the Freedom of Information Act. And uh, it hasn't arrested anybody. So Again, there's been a cover-up of this, and I, I think it's outrageous what, that uh, this could go on. What was what was the bait that Israel used with the Trump campaign? 
Well, Israel had uh, uh, eavesdropped on the Russians, and they picked up the fact that the Russians were eavesdropping on Hillary Clinton and stealing stealing her emails Mm -hmm. uh, before the U.S. even knew about it. And they were offering that information, that intelligence, to uh, the Trump campaign. In other words, inside information on the Hillary Clinton campaign. So uh, that would have been very, very valuable. And and again, it was uh, totally illegal. There were all kinds of uh, laws broken by by this happening. What What do you make of the fact, finally, James, that our eyes were, to your point, your brilliant point, uh, your spot-on point, that our eyes were on Russia and Vladimir Putin, but the real uh, persons who were colluding with the Trump campaign was the Israeli government. We just, we, we were just watching the wrong target, were we not? Well, for two years, we were certainly watching the wrong target, and the press uh, uh, deserves a lot of blame for that because uh, they they uh, kept pressing the issue uh, uh, constantly when there was nothing there, and the U.S. government wasted two years of taxpayer money investigating a plot that wasn't uh, that wasn't taking place, and then missing, or else certainly not uh, doing anything about the real plot that was going mm-hmm. on, the plot with Israel. In retrospect, now you understand better Donald Trump's Israeli policy because he was uh, in collusion with them, according to this new book from James Manford, uh, in colluding with uh, with Russia, with uh, with uh, Israel rather, uh, and its leader uh, Bibi uh, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, to. Uh, to do what they wanted uh, him to do once he elected president, which he did anyway. Uh, and for that, they were offering him all the dirty deeds on one Hillary Clinton. But the story has not been told until just now. Thanks to investigative reporter uh, James Bamford. His new book is called Spy Fail, Foreign Spies, Moles, Saboteurs, and the Collapse of America's Counterintelligence. James, thank you for all these years of your work and witness to bring us stories we otherwise would not know. I am deeply appreciative, uh, as is the nation, whether they know it or not. But I want to say thank you, sir, for your time and for your work. Oh, great. It's an honor being on your show, Tavis. So thanks very much for having me. My great delight to have you on. More